0: welcome to Freedom. It sure is good to see you here today, and as John said, to those of you who are watching online, we are glad to have you tuned in. It really means a lot that we can still stay connected in this form, especially while we've been dealing with this pandemic. Uh, thanks for the worship set, uh, Tony and Stone. Just good stuff today. Thanks for leading us in worship. Don't you love the truth of, of that last song that, w- that we sang? It's just such a great reminder. You know, life may not be feel good at times and it does not at times There's a lot of challenges in the last year a lot of challenges for people right now but that doesn't change the reality of the goodness of God life may not be good but God is good and, and his goodness stands out so much more clearly in the difficult seasons and so we celebrate and seeing if it's goodness today we are uh, in this series right now we'll be wrapping it up next Sunday about uh, living with margin in your life if you want to I'll pull out your outlines and follow along, we'll be talking today about keeping your tank filled instead of living life on empty. You ever have seasons where you just feel like you're just running on fumes all the time? We're going to talk today about just some practical things that you can do to make sure that you operate from a full tank. You may have heard about the guy that was driving down the road uh, through town and he came alongside a delivery truck for uh, a pet store, and he noticed that the driver, every time that he would come up to a stop sign or a red light, would jump out. He had a little two-by-four that he would run down the side of the truck and just slam the side of the truck over and over, and then he'd run and hop back in and when the light would turn green. He'd go on down the road till he got stopped again at the next intersection, and he watched this for three or four different intersections. The guy would get out every time and just bam, 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 beating his truck, and finally he rolled down his window about the fourth time he saw this happening and called out to the guy said, man, what are you doing with that two-by-four? And he said, oh, man, I've got a two-ton truck, and I've got four tons of canaries in the back, and I've got to keep two tons in the air all the time. That silly story is a picture of how a lot of us live our lives, isn't it? We are overloaded. We are carrying more that we than we need to carry. And, and this series, and today particularly, is about learning how to lighten your load so that you really can give your best to the people and things that matter the most. So as we talk today, about keeping your tank filled I want to start with just a little survey of those of us who are in the room because we're going to start for just a few minutes thinking about the times when you do let your tank run dry and how it kind of correlates to the reality of driving your automobile so just out of curiosity by a show of hands how many of you once the the needle hits a half tank or anything below that you're looking for a gas station at half a tank let me see your hands Okay, we've got a lot of careful people in the room. How many of you, you're quarter tank people, it hits a quarter of a tank, now you're looking for, how many of you push it and see just how many miles you can get out of it and it is not strange to see that light come on? Yes, indeed, we have got risk takers in the room. Now here's the real moment of truth. How many of you have run out of gas and been stuck on the side of the road out of gas? Most of us have done that. So the opening question that we're going to consider for just a few minutes is, Why is it that we ever run out of gas? And it's sort of funny how many times what happens in the natural correlates to what's going on inside of us as to why we operate out of gas. So I want to begin by just uh, sharing with you six reasons that we'll run out of gas, whether you're talking about your automobile or your heart and mind and the way that you live. So if you want to follow along in, in your outlines, the first one is this, that we have no margin, that is being too busy to pause and refuel we've all done this with our lives when you do it with your automobile we've all gotten caught there before you know you didn't intend to get that low but then you're late for the next thing that you've got to get to and it's like i don't have time time to stop for gas so you're hurrying to the next thing and then the next thing and pushing it to the limit and you push too far life can very easily happen this way for us so that there's no time for us to recharge and so physically relationally emotionally You just wind up spent. The whole series, the whole point of this, has been about building in margin, which gives you breathing room so that you're not just using up every moment of your life filled with activity and commitments. second reason we'll run out of gas is not starting out with a full tank. You ever made that mistake? You're going for a trip, and you realize a little too late, oh, wait, I didn't ever stop to fill up. Well, that's what last Sunday was all about. It was about acknowledging and realizing... Our tanks emotionally don't hold fuel and energy for any great length of time. And so we need to fill up every day. And last Sunday was all about how we refuel every day. The third thing that will do it for us is hurry. The faster that you go, the more fuel you're going to burn and you burn through it faster. Everybody knows that you get much worse fuel efficiency at 85 miles an hour than you do at 45 miles an hour and the same is true in how you live your life. If you're going fast all the time, you're going to use up a lot more emotional energy. You're going to have a much bigger drain on relationships because you're going 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 fast all the time. So hurry will will wear down your reserves in terms of your body, your mind, your relationships. The fourth thing that'll get you in trouble and have you run out of gas is being so distracted that you're not ever watching the gauges. I'll scare myself on this one frequently. It's not that I haven't had time to stop for gas. I'll just have other things on my mind. And sometimes it'll finally dawn on me, holy cow, I've been driving for days and I've never paused to even just for a moment glance at the gauge. And sometimes it'll be way over on E and it's it's just because I just never paused to look at what's right there in front of me. So how does that correlate to your life? Very, very naturally. Because... God has given us some gauges that will tell us when we're running on empty or near empty. And we can be notorious for paying no attention to the gauges. So what are some of the gauges that would tell you that you're running on empty? Can I just name a few of them for you to consider this morning? first one that's a real obvious one is sleep. How are you doing on sleep? Now, this can be both a sign of the problem or a cause of the problem. So it runs both ways. But we are terrible in our culture for thinking, oh, I don't, I don't need a lot of sleep. And it's almost like a badge of honor, for especially for guys to say, oh, I don't need much sleep. I, I can get by on about six hours of sleep a night. Most people who say that are kidding themselves, and they're running on fumes most of the time. The normal adult needs at least seven to nine hours of sleep a night. And by the way, this whole series on margin... If you're trying to put into practice what we're talking about, if it doesn't manifest itself really first off by you building some margin for plenty of rest in your life, the other stuff isn't going to stick. I'm just going to tell you that point blank. For all the good intentions that you'll have about building margin in for time with God and for relationships and all the other things that we'll talk about, if you don't first of all build in time to make sure you're getting enough rest, you'll, you'll louse up the rest of that. And that's a fact. It's such a, a tremendous principle in Scripture. It's actually one of the most overarching principles from end to end in the Bible is the theme of rest, that God wants you to operate always beginning from a position of rest. So are you getting enough sleep? Are you able to sleep when you lie down? These can be, that this can be the first gauge that tells me that something is off, that I'm not resting my body. A second one is, and, and this one is a surefire gauge for most of us, is the gauge that measures your irritability and impatience. If you find yourself, whether or not you're lashing out at others, or if you're just mumbling and grumbling like Yosemite Sam under your breath, you know, just silently at everything that's going on, that is a real good sign. I'm running on fumes here. I'm running on empty because I'm just so easily irritable. Here's a third one that nobody's going to want to talk about. A third gauge is our weight. Changes to our weight. And I know some people are like, don't you go there, preacher. Don't be talking about politics or weight. No, it's, it's and I'll just use myself as an example. I, I know there are all kinds of factors that can affect our weight, heredity and thyroid and, and uh, body chemistry and all those kinds of things. But in terms of weight fluctuations, being out of balance in life, and living at a place where you're running on empty and you're running overstressed, oh, it, it will screw up your weight. 2020 was a prime example of that in my own life. I gained roughly 20 pounds in 2020. Got my 20 in 20. That's that's what I did. That's a lot of weight to gain in a year. Didn't set out to do it. That was not one of my New Year's resolutions a year ago. It was not. It came so naturally, and I I was just thinking back on that. How how did that happen? You don't have to try. You just have to let some things get out of balance. And 2020 was a perfect year for that, wasn't it? It was a perfect year for us to operate with our t- tanks pretty much empty. And I was just thinking back personally at what the year looked like and how things were sort of out of balance for me. And there were just you know several different things that contributed to that. the gym being a place that I couldn't go to on a regular basis for a lot of months in the year. And that throws me out of whack because of the pandemic, not being able to go to the gym, not being able to do things that I normally would do with friends and church family that just puts something back in my tank so that I'm at a healthy place. The other kinds of things that just for me personally recharge me, like being able to travel, just for 10 months, that got shut down. We, we went one place in 10 months, and about 36 hours after we got there, my grandchild died. And so I had to immediately leave there to go and do all the stuff for a funeral. And we came back from that trip more empty and emotionally drained than we were before we, we went. I'm just saying, when you start lining all those things up, and you look back, it's like, well, there's no big surprise that you'd gain 20 pounds in a year like that. Because when your tank is empty, you'll do things in unhealthy ways. Now, Jackie, she had commented to me several weeks ago. She said, well, the thing about it is all you have to do is set your mind to it. And you can lose the weight anytime that you need to. And, and sure enough, in, in the last six weeks, I've taken off a good portion of what I put on last year. Still got a ways to still go down on that elevator, but I'm but in that process. And she said, well, you can do that anytime that you want to. And I said, you know, I get what you're saying, and yet that's not completely true. Because I can't just pick any day of the year and say, all right, right, I'm good. in fact, well, I can pick any day that I want to. It just won't work most of the time. If my tank is empty, I won't have the emotional reserves that it takes to be disciplined and to do the work of getting to a healthier place. If you're operating with an empty tank, you can't make yourself do the right things for any length of time, including like eating right and taking care of your body, so Quick weight gains, that, that's a gauge that's saying something is off here. Strained relationships is another gauge. If you're just wondering, man, why, why is it that I cannot get along with my spouse, my kids, my boyfriend or girlfriend? That can just be another gauge that's saying, you've been running on empty. The fifth one is being unaware of hidden leaks that are draining me. Many years ago, uh, I hit something in the vehicle that I was driving. It, it went over something and... Uh, It hit the gas tank. It's not one of those things that you naturally notice, heard the thump. But noticed later there was a little crack in the gas tank, just enough to drip, drip, drip. The kind of thing that would be easy to overlook because it didn't just make a a big puddle when it happened, but that slow drip was enough to drain the tank dry. You get a, a leak in your tank in life, and it'll drain you dry. And can I tell you two things? that tend to be the leaks in our tanks that suck us dry certain relationships and too many responsibilities that will bleed you dry and you don't even notice it while it's happening quick word about the relationships that will do it you know the people in your life that are emotional vampires they just suck the life and energy out of you you don't have anybody like that in your life do you yeah you do we all do. There, there are people that you know that if you go spend an hour or two with them and you come away, there's going to be less in your tank after that time than there was when you got there. Having too many of those kinds of relationships, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have any needy people in your life, but you have too many of them, and it's like having a leaky tank. You're just getting pulled down all the time. And the other one, is too many responsibilities, either too many or having responsibilities that are yours that are not suited to you because you were never taught how to do that. It's not tied to your gifting or your passions, and yet it's constantly dumped on you. Or maybe, just as a for instance, you're in a marriage that isn't anywhere close to 50 50 or 60 40. Maybe you're in one of those marriages that's way more like an 80, 20, 90, 10 kind of relationship where way too much of the responsibility for the heavy lifting in the relationship falls on you. That is just constantly bleeding off your tank, and it will leave you at a very unhealthy place. The sixth one is just being overloaded, carrying too much of a load in your vehicle. That's going to kill your Gas efficiency, you carrying too much of a load in your life, you'll be like the guy driving a two ton truck with four tons of canaries. It's going to constantly bleed you dry. So it doesn't take a genius to identify the things that will cause us to have an empty tank. How do you make sure that you don't live your life that way? We're going to return to the passage that has been the theme passage for the whole series as we consider how to keep your tank filled. So if you want to follow along in your outline or open your Bibles, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30 is our theme. Jesus said this, If you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you what? Rest. rest. This is what Jesus wants for us. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your soul. For the yoke that I share with you is easy to wear, and the load is light. Everybody wants what Jesus is talking about, don't you? Who wouldn't sign up for that today? I want a light load. I I want easy burdens. I want rest in every part of me. How do you get that? I'm going to share just five truths from this passage and beyond. And the first one is this, the starting point. This is sort of the prelude to, to you getting in on what Jesus is talking about. If you want to live with... More in your tank. If you want to experience real rest in your life, first of all, you're going to have to get fed up with the way that you're living now. If you're not already living in the rest that Jesus is talking about, the only way to get there is, first of all, you've got to get sick and tired of being where you are now. Because coming and listening to this sermon series ain't going to do it. Are we on the same page on that? How many times do we think that just gaining knowledge is going to take me to a better place? It doesn't. Just knowing some fresh insights on something will not make us have a healthier life. you got to get sick of being where you are right now. Jesus said, if you are tired, are you tired? Are you tired of where you are? Now, there are some people who could say today, no, I'm not tired of where I am because I'm at a good place of balance in my life. And one interesting note about where we've been for the last year is, it has forced us to so alter our normal schedule. There are a lot of people who have expressed, I've kind of liked this pandemic because it's forced me to to not be going, going, going. I'm at home more. I'm with my family more. And, and I don't want to go back to the old way. Hey, if that's where you are, awesome. Praise God. But you better build in a plan to not just let life return to normal because while most of us are celebrating, here we are this year, we're going to get back to a normal way of living. But if you don't take real caution and care... You'll return to some things you don't want to return to. So determining I'm either sick of where I am or I'm sick of where I used to be before the pandemic and I don't want to go back to that way of hectic living that drains me dry. What is it, by the way, that causes us to change? Not just to listen to a sermon but to actually do something about it. It's pain most of the time, isn't it? having enough pain that i'm willing to make some adjustments in my life we would love to imagine that we do that we make the changes because we saw the light the truth of the matter is few people change because they saw the light most people change because they felt the heat they felt the pain of reality and that's what'll do it for us so if you're tired of your, your current pace of life and you're tired of running on empty and carrying heavy burdens then there's a good chance you can do something about it now and it's not going to break you to change hopefully it'll lead to a breakthrough The second thing that you've got to do if you're going to experience greater balance is just simply come to Jesus. Jesus said, if you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I'll give you rest. The point here is you don't need a self-help book. You don't need to go to some therapy or, or some class. Or some program, you don't need a pill that's going to bring more balance in your life. It really, truly is simply centered on a person. The one who knows how to give you not only rest for your body, but rest for your soul and fuel for your tank every single day. And he says, if you want to live like this, if you want every day of your life where you're so full that you're actually operating out of the overflow, that there is a sense of rest in your body and your mind in the deepest parts of you, and you now have just new levels of energy and joy. If you want to operate out of that, that is found one place and one place only. It is not going to be found in the right boyfriend or girlfriend, and we think that it is. Whether we say that out loud, we'd never say it on a Sunday morning, but a bunch of us think, if I was just with the right man or the right woman, I would just be filled with this all the time. No, you won't. If anything, reality teaches you, even in a good relationship, it drains you almost as frequently as it puts something back into you. Now, that's a fact. Even a good relationship is going to put something in your tank and take something out of your tank. So stop thinking, if you could just be with the right romantic relationship, that that would do it. Jesus alone can give us the balance that we're talking about. So he says, come to me. I love that he doesn't say, come to church more. I've been in churches where I think that was the central message. If you want a more balanced life, just come to more church stuff and What I think church leaders don't realize so many times is people are already exhausted. They don't need to come to five more church meetings this week. I mean, aren't you just done with that way of life? Aren't you just done with that version of church that the answer is just do more and more and more church? Praise God that was not Jesus' answer, that you need just lots more religious rituals. You need more rules, and then you'll have a better life. He didn't say any of that. I love that Jesus was so personable. He wasn't like giving some far out there, spaced out version of how to do this. He said, if you want this, if you're tired of the way that you're living and you want to live at this place of fullness and rest, come to me. I want you to get connected to me and experience what would happen if you do life right here alongside me. And I love that Jesus had people come to him for all sorts of reasons. And he didn't care what the reasons were. I don't mean that he didn't care in the sense that he's like, I don't care what's bothering you. No, no, he didn't care in that people came to him for healing, people came to him because they needed deliverance, they needed relief, they came because they were hungry, they came because they were guilty, they came because they needed forgiveness, they came for a multitude of reasons, and it didn't matter to Jesus. Because whatever they needed, he had, and he wasn't offended by any of their reasons. So I love that Jesus looks at us and he says, it, it really doesn't matter to me if you're coming because you're anxious, because you're lonely, because you're afraid, because you're you're eaten up with guilt. It doesn't matter to me because I've got what you need. All I care about is that you just come. And my arms are wide open. I'm just saying, come on here closer. Get, get closer. If you want real relief, you're going to find it the closer that you get to me. You can count on what Jesus said in John 6, 47, when he said, whoever comes to me, I will never reject. So you don't have to feel like, oh, but I I can't ever feel close to Jesus. I I think I've just screwed up too much. You ever felt that way? Like, not only have I screwed up too much in the past, but I know how... I'm so sure that I'm going to screw up again this week or this month. I'm going to blow it again. I'm I'm going to do things. I'm going to say things. I'm going to think things that are so dishonoring to God. There's no way he could want me to be close. And that's a lie of the devil because Jesus says, you just come on to me. His words are true. Whoever comes to me, I won't reject. He didn't have any qualifiers there to say, you know, whoever comes to me except Butch, you and your attitude. I'm sorry, buddy. You, You just, you clean it up and then you can come to me. No, there's none of that. There are no qualifiers. Just come on. Just as you are, I've got what you need. Jesus wants you to have real rest, physical rest, emotional rest. He wants you to operate out of that position. How do you, by the way, when you know that your tank is running low, how do you instinctively try to refill it? I mean, just like on a daily basis, when when you just... You are spent. What do you do to try and just manage that or get something back in? I suspect a lot of us, if we were honest, the answer would be things like watch TV, surf the web, listen to music, eat, have alcohol. I mean, just any number of things. For guys, we, we love to use sports when we are just empty. There's nothing left. What do we do? We love, we turn on Sports Center, turn on a ball game. And in the moment, it will at least numb our awareness of our emptiness. But it never refills our tanks for any amount of time, pretty much beyond the moment that the game is on or the moment that the show is on. And then it's gone. Well, Jesus understands that this only gives moments of relief. But the Scriptures declare in Isaiah 40, 29, 31... Of what he will do. He helps tired people be strong. He gives power to those without it. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. It's a fleshing out of what Jesus is teaching here. And it's the opposite of what culture and the world tell us. Because when your life is empty, the world would suggest to you what you need. If you're feeling empty, if your tank is dry and you're feeling empty, you need to just find something new to do. You need to go, you need to do, you need to, to get more involved. You need to find something else to do that's going to satisfy you. And Jesus says the exact, exact opposite. You need to stop going and doing more, and you need to come. The world's telling you to go, and Jesus is saying, no, come in here and be still, because I love to take people who are tired and who are weak, and I love to make them strong. It sounds like a great exchange to me. The third truth that we learn from this passage is, Is if you're going to enter into this rest and get refilled, you must give up control and trust Jesus to set a new pace and a new direction. So much of our stress and our overload is very much tied to our need to to be in control and to manage everything. But remember what we talked about two weeks ago? There's only one thing in Scripture that God ever tells you to control, and that's yourself. You can't control your kids. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your future or your past or the economy. You can only control yourself. So letting go of control and deciding that it's okay for Jesus to call the shots on all of these things. So where do we get this from in the passage? Well, it's verse 29 where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. He's not talking cooking eggs here. He's talking farm implements. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit And you will find rest for your soul. Not all of us in the room are farmers, so just to make sure we're all clear on what Jesus is talking about here, I want you to be able to visualize this. You know what a yoke looks like? It's that wooden thing that you'd put on two oxen. It sort of looks like two gentle waves, that one big piece of wood. It's shaped to go over the necks of two animals, and then you've got two U-shaped skinny pieces that slide in underneath it that go around the animal's necks so that the the yoke is on the the back of their neck and then they're just kind of locked into that but the point is it connects them together so that they're harnessed not just to the wagon or the plow or whatever it is that they're pulling but they're they're connected to each other so this whole thing that of jesus talking about the yoke the purpose of the yoke is to share and lighten the load i know it's easy for us to read a passage like this and it it almost, the picture doesn't seem to line up. You know, when Jesus says, here, take my yoke and put it on you. Well, when you see this thing, just a picture of it, it's like, oh, it looks like a pretty heavy piece of wood. Jesus wants to slap something else on the back of my neck and harness me into it. it. It might look like, oh, Jesus has got more of a weight to carry, more religion, more rules. No, 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 no. Jesus, what he is inviting us to here is a position where we're going to be linked up with someone else so that we no longer have to carry all of the load in our lives ever again. And it's Jesus himself that we're yoked up together with. He says in verse 30, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you take just a moment and really chew on on that one thought. Jesus says, The yoke in life that I want you to carry is mine. But I want you to understand that what I want on you is easy and light. I don't know how your past has shaped what you expect a relationship with Jesus and a commitment to Jesus is going to look like. But I have a feeling that a lot of us who grew up in the Bible Belt have a picture of Jesus' expectations for us that the words easy and light never match up to it. Would you agree with that? I mean, when you think about living the Christian life, would you ever quickly associate either of those words, easy or light, with it? And yet Jesus says, here's what I want a lot of your experience to be like. I want it to be easier. I want your load to be lighter. Something's wrong somewhere. I mean, in the big picture and in my life, something is wrong that I have such an expectation that, it, that the more committed that I am to Jesus, the bigger the load that I've got to carry, the heavier it's going to be, the more I'm going to have to work. And I'm not trying to picture, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a picture for you that suggests that a full commitment to Jesus is just you kicked up in your recliner with a remote control and you're Hand, drinking mimosas or something. That's not the picture. And yet Jesus says, You get linked together with me, and easier and lighter are the words that are going to describe a major part of your experience. I think we need to let that sink in. How could that possibly be? Well, t- two things that you need to know about when the idea of the yoke is used in the Bible, two things that it symbolizes. And the first one is this the yoke symbolizes partnership you're yoked together with someone and in this picture you're yoked with jesus with the point being you're not carrying jesus burden jesus is saying everything that you are carrying is now tied to my strength you will never pull alone again that wagon that you've been trying to haul you're not going to have to haul it in your strength because you are now harnessed to the strongest ox in the universe it's about partnership Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two says, Pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load. He'll help you out. Isn't that good news? Don't you love the thought that whatever is weighing on you, Jesus says, come on, hook up with me. Harness up with me because I love to carry heavy loads. They never wear me out. And I love seeing you come out from under the weight of you having to carry that. The other thing that the yoke symbolizes is control. The reason, as a farmer, that you put the yoke on the animals was to harness their strength, but to give you control over what they did, and you you yoked the animals together to make sure that they always stayed in lockstep with each other and that they always had to move in the same direction. So here's the good news and bad news of being yoked together with Jesus. It's incredibly liberating because now his strength becomes your strength. And you don't have to carry anything alone ever again. But it means if you truly are yoked with him, that every choice that you make for every step that you take has to be tied to the direction that Jesus wants to go in all things. And that's good news and bad news all in one statement, isn't it? I mean, the bad news is if you're a control freak and there are enough of us in the room, we can start a support group for that. For the control groups anonymous bunch here, it's a little scary to think that somebody else is going to get to call the shots on everything. But when you start walking in that, you discover how wonderfully liberating that is. How could that be liberating to give somebody else control of your life? For the control freaks were like, that isn't liberating. That is disturbing. That is deeply disturbing that I don't get to decide everything. And and you don't have to nod your head. You, you know who you are. I'm the president of that that group right there, the control group. You see, I'm so in control, I've got to be the president of the group. It is a disturbing thought, and yet it's liberating when you experience this thing that the one who says you got to be linked to me, which means you stay in step with me, that he is always moving in the right direction. He is moving in the direction that is going to be best for the kingdom and ultimately the best for you. And here's part of what's so liberating about that. You already wear other yokes. Whether you realize it or not, everybody does. You're yoked to somebody or something. You may be yoked. To something as odd as a dead parent's expectations for you. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, a lot of folks are so yoked to the expectations of others, the expectations of their boyfriend or girlfriend or of their spouse or, or what their siblings think of them or what mama and daddy think of them, even if mama and daddy have been dead for 10 years. We can still be so yoked to their expectations that we are carrying the burden of needing to do life the way that they said to do it or, or needing to outperform their expectations. Why, you could never do such and such. And for the last 30 years, you've been trying to carry the yoke of outperforming that. Well, when you wear the yoke that Jesus offers where the one thing that you're committed to is just staying in lockstep with Jesus, suddenly you have permission to say no to everything that Jesus doesn't lead you to do. So all these other things that other people's expectations put on us, and we so many of us are yoked to just the idea of, I just don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want them to not like me. And being yoked to that idea will lead you to say yes to about 57 other things that you aren't supposed to be doing and yet you're guilted into doing and it leads you to a stressed out and miserable life where you're doing all these things you didn't want to do in the first place but you just felt too guilty that you couldn't say no. And I want to tell you, when you get yoked to Jesus and your number one priority is I don't say yes to anything unless Jesus goes, "Mm mm-hmm. When somebody says, hey, how about you doing this? Would you commit to this? Would you join that? You learn that you never say yes to it because you don't ever get to step off in a new direction without making sure that your yoke partner says, "Mm mm-hmm, we're going to go in that direction. And when you don't get the yes from Jesus, you can with just complete freedom of heart go, thank you, but no, I'm not going to be able to do that. And you don't have to explain why because the rest of that answer is... I can't say yes to that because my yoke partner didn't say yes to it. He must have something else in mind that's going to be a better use of that time, energy, and resources. Do you know how liberating that is to be able to say no every time you need to say no? And you don't have to feel the guilt of going, I guess I was just too lazy. I guess I was just too selfish. No, it was none of the above. My yoke partner didn't say yes to that, so I couldn't say yes. So with a happy heart and a smile on my face, I can say, thank you for asking no. Does that not sound liberating to somebody? Somebody needed to hear that this morning. Somebody needs to know it is a good thing to say no in Jesus' name because your yoke partner did not say yes to it. That means he's got better plans for what that time and energy would have been spent doing. Somebody's going to go home and put this into practice this week and have fun making some calls and say, you know what I told you I was going to do? I'm not going to be able to do that for you anymore. And if they press the point, you you just tell them that time's committed elsewhere. Even if you don't know what Jesus has got it, it's just committed to Jesus and he clearly has reserved it for something else because he didn't give you a yes on that. That's a liberating thing. Being yoked together with Jesus means that we get to move together in the same direction And at the same pace as He does. Galatians 5.25 says this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's a great picture of being yoked with Him, isn't it? It's the Spirit of Jesus that is guiding us each step in what we're doing. Now, that's a great place to be. It's a liberating place to be. But I will warn you, it can also be very frustrating because... Jesus isn't always going to do the things that we want to do at the pace that we want to do them. I'll just tell you out of my own experience, the thing that Jesus frequently does that in the moment frustrates me is along the way there will be these moments where he gives a sense of we're fixing to go in a new direction. We're fixing to start going in a direction that is totally outside of what you've ever experienced before. And at first that's a little bit scary, but then when you catch a glimpse of where he's going to go, Oh, man, I am like a horse that has seen the barn. I want to get there today. I want to go right now. And when Jesus gives me a glimpse of a new direction, I'm ready to run full speed in that direction. And a part of this deal is he not only gets to call the shots on which direction you're moving, but the pace with which you move there. Well, that's, that can be really hard because the toughest room to be in in God's house is the waiting room. I don't like the waiting room at God's house. I, you show me where to go. I want to go now. Jesus not only gets to set the direction, but also the pace. Remember Romans 3.28. I love how the message puts it. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting Him set the pace. You may need to write that one on a card and post it on your mirror at home. Hear that one again. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting Him set the pace. Have you ever gotten in trouble? going in the right direction at the wrong pace? I have. Went to run in a direction that over time, it's borne out. That was the right direction, but I tried to do it in my own time. I tried to run ahead of God. It gets me out of step with God, and it gets me out of step with people because it doesn't work out, and now I'm at odds with the people who aren't cooperating with that because I didn't do it in God's timing. Yoked with Jesus means we move in the direction and at the speed that he wants to go. Proverbs 20, says this, Since the Lord is directing our steps, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? Don't worry about God's timing. If we let him set the direction... Trust Him with the timing of that. You don't have to figure it all out. Just trust Him to work it out. So that's that's the first three pieces in the passage that we just looked at. Now, I'm going to mention two other things very briefly. Just from a practical perspective, if you want to operate with a tank that is not empty half the time, you must start every day by filling your tank. Now, that's what last Sunday was completely about. I'm not going to go back and reteach that, but just a reminder. If you want to not operate on empty... You're going to have to carve out a little time every morning to make sure your tank is getting refilled as you spend time with God. I'll just simply remind you of the key passage from last week where Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. That is a picture of of us taking a little time to get the tank filled every day, time alone with God. And then the fifth and final thing, just from a practical perspective, if you want to get your tank refilled, you have got to stay connected to your church family. You know, there's a profound truth when you read the the account in Genesis 1 and 2 of God's creation of, of everything and of mankind. He knew ultimately what he was going to do. He could have just as easily, it would have made complete sense to us if he had just started out by making a man and a woman at the same time, right? I mean, with animals, he didn't make all male animals and then come back way later and say, oh, I think we'll make some female animals so they can reproduce. No, he made male and female. But only with humanity did he make just a man. And he let the man have some time to experience life where he he could work, he could interact with the animals, he could play with the animals, he could, he could do all of these things. He could enjoy nature, he could whatever, hunt, fish, hike. He could just enjoy the world and he could just work himself silly. And he let Adam do all that he wanted to in, in that regard. And discover that even with all of that, it was not good for man to be alone. Life would never be fulfilling. Work alone would never be satisfying. All of the other endeavors, if the whole world was yours, as, as was the case with Adam, you will still not find joy and contentment if you're alone. He needs someone else. Now, friends, this is not a point about romance or marriage because the point here is not about needing to have a significant other. The point is that we need just meaningful relationships with other people. Part of the great challenge of the pandemic has been how much it has separated us and has strained us that that we, you know, We don't get to do the normal things that we do with other people. We've always got six feet between us, if not miles in between us. And when we are together, we're masked up. I mean, we just never feel like we are truly together. I hope, I mean this in a good way, I hope your heart aches because of that. Because I hate what the alternative would be. I hope that we have not gotten so comfortable being apart, that we've just learned to be sort of content, to settle for Just leading separate lives and staying at home and just being safe because in the coming months, we'll take these masks off and we're going to lay aside the pandemic rules and in Freedom Church, we're going to be really intentional. We're going to go out of our way to love each other to death to fellowship each other to death. We are going to get back together and we're going to do life together. And I want to tell you, you need to make a commitment now. If you're not already there, I'm going to belong. I'm going to connect. I am not going to let life or an illness or anything else Keep me from experiencing what God wants for me. Remember, the whole idea of building in margin is so that you have room for the things that matter most. And let me just go ahead and, and cut to the chase. This is what we're going to talk about next weekend on Valentine's Sunday. We're going to talk about what matters most. It's relationships that matter the most, and you need that. Folks who are watching online, I am so glad that you've been careful. So many people who have been very guarded about their health I'm glad that you have done that. But when we get past the danger zone and we are rapidly moving there, do not settle for that. Do not settle for this. This is not enough. Yes, you are in a soul-filling station right now. I hope you're going to leave with your tank more full because you came here today. But this isn't enough. You need to belong. So I want you to be figuring out what small group am I going to be in? What ministry team can I be a part of? Who can I link up with for a discipleship group? At least one, if not two, or all three of those things need to help define your life because you need to be vitally connected, getting your tank filled. Now that may sound like a burden on the front end for people who aren't already doing that to go, oh man, I've got to find time in my schedule to come to a group for an hour and a half or two hours every week. That may sound like a burden, but I will guarantee you if you'll press in and let yourself be known and get to know other people and love other people, it is going to become one of the high points of every week to break bread every week with friends who love you and who are praying for you and who are opening up and sharing with you and laughing with you. Our souls need that. That's why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, 25, we must not quit meeting together as some are doing. No, we need to keep on encouraging each other because that's what happens when we get together in these little groups. It refills us, the encouragement that we have. And he says, this becomes more and more important as you see the day getting closer. What day is he talking about? Oh, he's talking about the day that ends time as we know it. He's talking about the conclusion of things when Jesus returns. And he says, the closer that you get to that day, you need to understand the more important it is for you to get together. How did he know that? How how did he say that? Because he understood that the closer that we get to that day, something is happening. It's like revolutions of things that happen in our culture that are just moving faster and faster and faster as we move forward in time. The the pace of life, it's not slowing down, it's ramping up. Life is just stretching us to the limit. And it's when we press into our spiritual family that something different happens and we truly find peace and rest for our souls why is that? Jesus said, come to me, and you're telling me that in these gatherings with Christian family that's going to happen. How does that all work? I'll tell you how it works. Ephesians one twenty three sums it up when it says, the church is Christ's body, and it is filled with Him. He makes everything complete in every way. When Jesus says, come to me, yes, that's a very personal and private thing, but it's also something that we share together. We live at a time where it has become epidemic that Christians, true Christians, say, I love God, I'm a deeply spiritual person, but I do not do organized religion. I do not do church. And to them I say, what a pity. What an absolute pity because you miss out on... On so much of Jesus by doing that. How can I say that? On the authority of God's word. Which says the church is Christ's body. You want to experience Jesus? You're going to miss a big part if you aren't in the body of Jesus. Why? Because it is filled with him. The world loves to say. And Christians outside the church love to say. Well the reason I don't go to church. Is because the church is filled with hypocrites. Well, at one level, I want to say, no kidding. If sinners don't get to come to church, nobody does. The world is full of hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. But guess what else the church is full of? It's full of Jesus. The scripture says it's full of him because he lives in us. And when we come together, something spills over. When we open up and we share our struggles and our joys and just the stuff of life, man, it refills our tanks and we go out and we are different because now we have something in us that is stirred up and is overflowing and we make a difference that impacts the world. That's what we're after. Some of you may think, it's that a peculiar series. Kind of a peculiar thing to teach on. I want to tell you, the reason we're starting the year on this series is one, because I care about you. I care about your health, your relational health, your your physical health, your, your emotional and spiritual health. I want you to be at a healthy place. But part of why I'm starting on this series is because of an understanding that if we don't get this thing right, we will be rotten as witnesses in the world. Because can I tell you this secret about what the world is looking at when they look at us? If they look at us and they see that we are as stressed out, we're as just slammed to the limit with responsibilities and things that are just weighing on us and pulling us down, and every time anybody asks us how we're doing, we're going, I'm all right, I'm just so busy, I'm just so tired. Why would the world want what you've got, if that's your answer? Seriously. If all they can see is your stress your load, your busyness, your exhaustion, why would they want your Jesus? If that's what Jesus is doing with your life, who wants that? I don't. If I'm lost, I don't want your life. If you're always stressed, you're always busy, you're always under a heavy load, I'll stick with my lost life where I'm in control. But you show me somebody who when you're around them, you just think easy and light are the words that would describe just the spirit about them. There's a lightness about them. They don't look like they're under a heavy load. When I ask them how they're doing, I actually hear joy and energy in their answer. I see a smile on their face. When I hear them describe their lives, I hear margin. They have time for themselves. They have time for their mate. They do things they enjoy. They actually vacation. They enjoy life. When you go back and read the Scriptures, when you read the Old Testament, read with a lens that says, what was God trying to create in the whole of life? As he's building in all of these annual festivals, all of these holidays, all of these times where he says over and over and over, I don't want you to do any work this week. I don't want you to do any work these days. I want you to take off this whole year every seventh year. Every 50 years, I want you to take off two years from work. What is he trying to do? He's trying to create a different kind of life where people have joy and abundance and they're refueled and they actually operate out of that margin and they... Have great relationships because they have time for each other, and the world would look at that and go, I want what those guys are living in. You know, the world looks at that, and at times they go, Must be nice. We ought to be able to smile back and go, It's great. It is absolutely great. Because the one that we're yoked together with is Jesus, and his load is easy, and his burden is light, and it is a joy. To walk with him. The world will want that. Don't you want that? So I want to ask you just candidly. What is it that is weighing the heaviest on you right now? And life can be weighty. Is it financial issues? Is it health concerns? Is it dealing with an aging parent? Is it dealing with kids that are out of control? Is it stuff out of control? What is weighing on you? I've got good news for you. The Lord brought you here today for a reason. He doesn't want you carrying that load alone. He wants you yoked up with Him. He wants to carry that weight. But you've got some choices to make. You're going to have to yield some control. You're going to have to press into Him each day. You're going to have to press into experiencing Him with His family. Are you ready to do those things? Why don't we join together by turning to Him together in prayer now. God, you are so good. I feel silly saying it, but we're surprised sometimes by just how gentle and good you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are not a taskmaster trying to squeeze more out of us. Thank you that you are a partner, that you are a burden bearer. Holy Spirit, would you help us to press into Jesus? Would you help us today to come to Jesus? I want to just ask you as your head is bowed and your, your heart just attentive to the Lord right now. Have you come to Jesus? Have you come to Jesus for the first time in your life? Have you ever just come to Jesus and trusted Him to be the one that you're yoked up with? Have you come to Him for forgiveness and salvation? Well, He would love to do that in your life today. If you want to do that, there's nothing complicated. Why don't you just in your own simple way just pray a prayer that says, Jesus I need you. In my heart, I just want to come to you. I choose to trust you. I trust what you've done for me at the cross to pay for my sins. I trust being yoked with you to give direction in my life. And I'm just inviting you now to save me and change me and lead me. Lord Jesus, thank you for hearing and answering that prayer. A lot of folks in the room and listening online, you've been saved. But in your heart, you may realize, I need in a fresh way to just come to Jesus. Not to more religion and more rules and more activities. I just need to come to Jesus. Why don't you just, in the privacy of your heart, just say, Lord Jesus, help me to know how to do that. What's the next step in me just coming to you, not just in this moment, but each day? Help me to be hungry and thirsty for more of you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you work in such personal ways pursuing us. Thank you that you're committed to finishing what you've started in us. I pray that you'd help us to press into you and to find real connections within your family. We welcome your work, Holy Spirit. Please fill us as we go out of this place. Help us to live worthy of the calling that we've received. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I surely hope that what you heard was relevant and helpful and above everything. I hope that what you experienced today really helped your heart to connect with the heart of God. Now, if what you heard uh, for you stirred up any questions or maybe led you toward uh, some type of spiritual decision, maybe you want to talk with someone about something that's on your mind, I would love to hear from you. And so I would encourage you, reach out by email. At the bottom of the screen, you see my email address. It's mark at myfreedomchurch.net. That's not going to go to a secretary or an assistant. That will come directly to me. I'd love to hear from you and talk with you about anything that's on your mind. And if in the future you're in our area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at Freedom Church. But until then, we invite you to access all of the sermon material that you find online. Again, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Hope that you have a great day.